Blog Talk Radio. The Marketing Technology Blog Radio Show with Douglas Carr, founder of the Marketing Technology Blog and author of Corporate Blogging for Dummies, online marketing strategies, web, search, social, email, mobile, news, tips, tricks, and best practices from actual marketers, search professionals, and social media experts. Happy Friday, everybody. We are uh, live on the air with Dion Hinchcliffe. Dion is the Chief Strategy Officer at uh, Dacia's Group. Uh, for anybody that wants to find them on, online, it's D-A-C-H-I-S-G-R-O-U-P.com. And uh, if you recognize the name, or uh, some of you are Dion's listeners as well, so you already know, know him well, um, Dion writes for, uh, he's an analyst that, work, that writes for ZDNet, Information Week, The Collaboratory, and elsewhere. Uh, Dion works in the trenches with Fortune 1000 government and Internet startup communities. He's a frequent keynote speaker, co-author of two books uh, on Web2.0 architecture from our O'Reilly, as well as the best-selling Social Business by Design, which is what we really brought him to us and why we wanted uh to get him on the show so bad. Um, Dion is a well-known business strategist, enterprise architect, author, blogger, and the current chief strategy officer of Dacia's Group. Um, welcome aboard, Dion. Great to have you. Well, thank you very much. It's uh, great to be here. Yeah, and, and uh, I mean, that pretty much sums up your resume. <laughs> but was there, you know, was there anything that you wanted to add to that as, as far as, uh, you know, the current work that you're doing now and the expertise that, that you have in the field? Uh, I, so it sums it up pretty good. Uh, I would say that um, you know I, I wear two hats when I spend a lot of time uh, talking with and working with people who are doing this. Uh, so I get I'm lucky enough I get uh, as chief strategy officer of the doctor's group I get to travel all over the world and see people doing this. Uh, the things that we write about in the book, uh, you know, transforming their organizations to be more social to get better results for themselves and their customers. Uh, and then also, as uh, with my work at the at the doctors group, we actually uh, actually provide services um, and package software to, to help people achieve these goals. And it's pretty interesting the transition that you made. Uh, I, I, maybe it wasn't a trans transition, but from enterprise architect to a social business um, expert, that that's that some people might think that that's kind of a leap, kind of a stretch. How did you make that transition, or how did that that come? Well, I've been a, a technologist all of my life, and I've been uh, really amazed uh, at the ability of technology to transform people's lives and their businesses. Uh, technology is a tremendous force multiplier, uh, and if you look at uh, where all the productivity and the growth in, in, in the business world is right now, it's coming from technology-based solutions. So I started on that side, um, and of course, uh, when social media came along, um, you know, that's really a communications revolution that's changing everything right now about how we communicate, how we connect, uh, you know, the whole thing with the Arab Spring in the, in the Middle East. You know, entire governments are being remade uh, on the basis of social media. So not only was it a technology revolution in and of itself, uh, but it also is clearly one of the biggest things uh, uh, in history in terms of communications, almost as big as printing press, you could say. And I didn't want to miss that. I wanted to be part of it. Hey, Dion, this is Marty. Uh, well, you would mentioned, uh, you know, social media and, and, and marketing. Obviously, we we, we saw marketing um, uh, dive into to the use of social media pretty quickly um, as part of this whole evolution. But 
but now we're seeing uh, a huge push to internal use, internal collaboration. Um, what are you seeing out there that, that perhaps are some of the key um, um, some of the key inhibitors you're seeing within organizations uh, to actually uh, push uh, social collaboration internally? And then conversely, what are what are some of the things you're seeing that that companies are 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 doing to be more successful on that front? Well, I mean, there's a, you know a, a good number of obstacles. I call them the headwinds, right? You know, the um, marketing certainly picked up social before almost everyone else on the business side, uh, although people were using the tools uh, internally. Um, but you know, it's not just a technology revolution. If that was all it was, it'd just be something incremental, and we, we could apply, and everyone would be doing it uh, all at the same time. But it's also a mindset change, right? Social media gives your customers as much, or actually, really more power than you have yourself, right? They greatly outnumber you, and they all have an equally powerful voice, right? Essentially, uh, and so it's it's this thing where you know, the, you know uh, McLuhan said that uh, you know, the medium is the message, and that really is true in the case of social media, uh, in terms of you know, its openness and transparency, uh, and its you know frictionless global reach. You know, each one of us in, on this radio show, each one of us can reach the entire world at virtually no cost, right? We don't pay Twitter. To distribute our messages to every corner of the globe. Anyone who wants to hear what we have to say can tap into it. And we've removed friction from the system completely. But that very openness, that's the fact that, that we've got to, instead of pushing messages, we have to co-create them, uh, co-create our marketing, is a very different way of looking at things. And that, that discontinuity from how we did things before, where we did it all, to uh, our customers are better marketers than us, right, is a very big transition. And I think that uh, it's the mindset and the culture change that's really causing, you know, the shock. Uh, that, you know, you do see companies like Procter & Gamble with their Spice campaign uh, and Doritos who crash the Super Bowl. They are co-creating with their customers and creating market-leading results, right? You know, the Old Spice became the number one product in its category uh, after being almost completely being retired, right? It was uh, it was fading out. It was your grandfather's uh, product, and, and then, you know, they used social media to bring it back and make it number one in its category. Uh, there's story after story like that now, but it requires you to think differently, and I think that that's probably the top obstacle right there. Do you feel like uh, – I'm just curious to get your feeling as far as from an industry standpoint. Do you feel like this is a a transition that every business is eventually going to have to go through, or do you still feel like um, it, it's a certain percentage of businesses that, that – won't have to utilize these channels, uh, and and they'll still be, you know, utilizing traditional means. Um, I'm curious of, of of your thoughts on that. Well, I, I just published the the latest data that I could find from a variety of sources uh, on ZDNet right before I came on here. Um, easy to find this on the front page right now, ZDNet.com. Uh, it shows that companies are trying, right, and they're fully aware of it, right. So from the CEO on down. They realize that they have to do it, and and the data shows uh, that uh, that one and a half billion consumers globally have shifted channels. Right, uh, social networking is the number one activity online, and it's probably the number one digital activity now. Period. Uh, people spend far more of their time doing that than anything else, even search, which used to be number one. Uh, email is like is third and falling quickly. It's a, and, and it's declining globally. So you see this, these big demographic shifts in the last three years. A billion and a half people have changed their communications habits, and companies are kind of, I think, reeling from that. Uh, and 
No, I, I think the, the evidence now shows that some companies are not going to make the transition, and I'm referring to the data that um, John Hagel from Deloitte and Dave Gray have been sharing recently about the lifespan of the S&P 500 company is plummeting uh, precipitously, right? It's dropped uh, from, uh, I think, uh, from 40 years uh, back in the 40s um, to just 15 years today, and it, and the data shows that it's dropping quickly. Companies are not adapting to these new technological changes quickly enough, right? You look at, you know, the Nokias and the RIMs of the world, even. These are tech companies, and they can't keep up. Um, you know, it's, it, so I think it's going to be quite a challenge. Do you think uh, do you think the companies that say, for example, have been using you know this whole social phenomenon uh, from a, a, a marketing and let's say from a customer service and, and support perspective that are now turning the mirror inward and 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 really beginning to focus on internal uh, collaboration? Do you think there's the danger there that that by doing so they're still kind of missing out on this whole notion that you, you actually need to become much, much better at listening and, and, and engaging and participating, you know, with those conversations out there with customers and, 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 and that, you know, that, that sort of a, uh, uh, a space, if well, you will. Well, a couple of years ago, I would have, I would have said, no, they're not really missing out. You, gotta, you, you should be social outside and social inside. But that's not what the data is showing, and, I, and so I've, I've changed my tune a bit on that um, because the evidence is uh, so stark. And, and, it, and it's, uh, for those who've been attending my my talks at conferences, have uh, seen me present this data. But uh, McKinsey last year noticed a new pattern in their data that for five years they've been collecting. You know, what has social technology been doing inside the company, outside the company, and with the supply chain, right? And uh, we've seen these steady results, even though they expand the survey size every year. These are global companies, thousands of them. They survey, they see clear-cut benefits, but they noticed something new in the last survey, and that is uh, companies that, that social network internally get good benefits internally, right? Because they're outside, but mostly inside. Companies that are, are networked with their customers outside get strong benefits outside and some inside. But organizations that are fully networked, their ecosystem is, is fully socially networked, and they have, they have, there are now about 100 companies, large companies that have done that. They see outsized benefits, much larger than... Um, and just the additive benefits inside and outside, right? Between double-digit returns to the bottom line uh, by being social network, they get outsized benefits from being completely connected. So we have something called the Social Business Council. Uh, it's about 300 of the largest companies in the world, uh, and it's people mm -hmm. who are responsible for social transformation mm -hmm. getting involved um, with that uh, that are members of the, um, mm -hmm. of the council. And we ask them, um, were they connecting their inside and their outside efforts and becoming fully networked? And 96% of them no, which is the same, not the same uh, data as the McKinsey people have. So we see that there's, by being having this these uh, this narrow focus, having your blinders on, and being social just in one area isn't good enough. And now we have to limit you from being social in these other areas. And I've seen over and over again companies where the internal effort and the social, uh, the external effort are separate projects, and they meet in the middle and they realize that they've done it twice. Uh, and they and that they, they have two environments, two sets of tools, two ecosystems, and they don't talk to each other. And so we're, we're, we now see that that we, we can't just do one or the other. That's really interesting because you know up until even a few months ago, there was tremendous uh, pressure um, from many circles to, to to essentially show you know what the value of social was 
from a marketing perspective, in other words, that, that externally facing activity. And, and the mantra has always been ROI, show me what the return is. Curiously, though, when, you know, when companies begin moving the focus internally, suddenly all of those ROI discussions just sort of vanished. And, you know, it's my contention that, if, if anything, I think um, what companies need to focus on when they're bringing social collaboration uh, in, in, into the organization, they need to be thinking about, you know, how are we actually going to quantify and measure the benefits? I, I just see that as a, you know, as a real strong requirement. Well, it's very interesting because uh, in external efforts, um, you're doing basically um, social media in public, right? So, you know, the emperor doesn't wear any clothes there, and everyone can kind of see what you did, and they can kind of see what your results were, right? So there's no hiding. Uh, it, that's different than internal IT projects of any kind. Uh, internal technology efforts, once they're blessed and people are committed to doing it, there's a lot of vested interest in making sure that's successful. And so success stories are people obviously, they, they, they you know, climb on the rooftops and shout those. Uh, yeah, but when they're not that successful, you just kind of don't hear about it, right? Uh, and no one right. it's much harder to get a sense of it and call people on the carpet for it. So I think ROI tends to be more hidden uh, because internal efforts are more private um, and there's a lot of things. Right. It's, it seems like the it seems like a lot of the focus uh, when it comes to internal social um, revolves around exceptions to, to normal processes. And and um, do do you think when when companies start thinking of of social as not just for the exceptions but as literally part of the normal workday business environment that they'll actually move ahead uh, that much more quickly? Yeah, I think I'm glad to hear you bring up the exceptions. Um, you know, uh, that's been something else John Hagel has been talking about, uh, seeing that's where there's a lot of untapped value because we haven't had really good ways of handling exceptions because you usually don't know who to talk to about something that goes wrong, right? This is why social CRM is so powerful outside. Um, and exception handling, is, I think it's, it's a good um, inbound vector. It's a great way to get started because I think it's easy to tackle that problem for most organizations. It's inexpensive to tackle that problem. You get, and, and I think you get ROI pretty quickly because you're fixing something that's broken in most companies, right? Um, but I, I think um, you're still not getting, I think, the big transformative value. Um, you know, it's like uh, uh, McKinsey said we, uh, this year, you know, we're all marketers now. And the, uh, everything we do is marketing. How we treat our customers, how we tell them about our products, um, what we want them to do, how we partner with them, all of that is marketing now. And so I think every interaction we have in social, because it's visible, is really changing you know, the, the fundamental nature of, of the process. That's well put. Well, let's take a, a short break. We're going to listen to some um, advertisements from our sponsors, uh, Deliver a Form Stack and uh, MindJet. We will be right back with... Uh, Dion Hinchcliffe. Delivera has been providing email software and professional services for more than 13 years. Delivera helps businesses and organizations execute effective email marketing campaigns by providing dynamic software and professional services, from full-out consulting engagements to help when you need it in areas such as design, production, deliverability, and testing. Voted one of the 2011 best places to work in Indiana and one of Inc. 5000's fastest growing companies. 
Delibra partners with businesses and organizations across all industries and verticals and truly opens its doors each and every day to put the customer first. To learn more about Delivera, visit www.delivera.com or call 866-915-9465. Tell them you heard about Delivera from the Marketing Technology Blog. Formstack, an online form builder that has become a leader in creating, managing, and hosting online forms, is your solution to data collection. Formstack provides small businesses and nonprofits an easy-to-use form building tool to easily collect and manage data. Create surveys, order forms, and event registrations with no web skills needed. To learn more and register for a free 14-day trial, visit formstack.com. Each and every week, you get bombarded with hundreds of emails, dozens of meetings, countless requests, updates, and reminders, and a deluge of out-of-control deadlines and tasks. More information and distraction means less communication, which affects your productivity, efficiency, and your sanity. At MindJet, we offer the tools to help you get the job done. MindJet takes that information overload and organizes it visually in terms people can understand and shares it with those who actually need it. Work fast, work smart. Go to MindJet.com to learn more. And if you haven't yet, uh, MindJet actually has a new iPhone app that's really, really cool for uh, task management and collaboration. So be sure to download that. It's a free download. Um, Really, they they just have some um, great usability guys over there that are, are Doing their best to exploit everything possible with the iPhone. <laughs> we are we are back with uh, Dion Hinchcliffe. Uh, Dion, thanks for joining us today. Um, here's here's some additional questions. You know, one of the things that I was going to bring up actually in the last and I, I didn't is you know a lot of times companies I, I heard a great uh, I forget his name but it's a gentleman that runs OMS the online marketing summits and he he painted a beautiful picture way back when when companies were deciding whether or not to have websites. Um, and and mm-hmm. it seems like we're just going through this loop over and over and over again as the as technology evolves. But, you know, he, he used to say to companies, you know, um, they used to say, what's the ROI going to be on the website and uh, and why should we spend that much money? And he always used to ask, well, what's the return on investment on your lobby? And, and and why did you spend so much on the leather couch in your lobby? You know, and and uh, that's always stuck with me as this, you know, this stinging ROI question. And, and it seems like we just keep coming back to that question over and over and over again when it comes to new media always has to prove itself with a return on investment, um, even though it's becoming not just a, a – an investment, it's actually becoming a necessity. Um, social media, I know we went through the phases of what's the return on investment on social media, and it was an optional thing. But now that now that consumers have adopted it as mainstream, it's no longer an optional. It's no longer is there an investment, is there a return on investment. It's an expectation of just doing basic business and customer service in the field now. Do you have any comments on that? Yeah, well, I think you see that um, we see this huge tension between the traditional part of of most businesses and the digital side of most businesses. 
the traditional side is really big um, and it's usually by far the biggest part of the of the business and it's growing incre- incrementally right like one two three four percent you know most most mature industries don't have that much growth um, and then you have the digital business which is usually much smaller right you know often ten times smaller and it has a fraction of the revenue but it's growing at 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 percent. And if you plot it forward, the writing's on the wall. The digital side is going to be much bigger. But because of where they are today, right, that's how they look at where they are today versus if, you know, you do the, they can usually do the math and see that the digital will be the bigger part of the business uh, in a few years, right? And it has, that's where all the growth is. Uh, and the scary part about digital is it's not constrained by the same things like you know, uh, traditional businesses are constrained by geography, for example, right? It's location, location, location for things like retail. Uh, and online world, it doesn't matter. It's who gets there first wins, right? It gets the network effect, as we call it. Uh, and the social is the same thing. One of the, the disturbing trends that we've noticed is that when it, in a given industry, someone creates the leading customer community, like uh, I said, the SAP community network, that's the world's largest customer community, they help each other, they support each other, they, they teach each other about SAP's products. SAP uses it for marketing, uses it for pre-sales, uses it for sales, uses it for customer support, and the customers do most of the work, right? This is what's amazing. They're better marketers than us, they're, they're better everything than us, uh, and we now have tools to tap into them inexpensively. Uh, but what we've noticed is that in a given industry, once they move in, why would you go to a smaller community that has less information and less activity when you can go to the biggest one? Uh, and so there's this first mover effect that's really important that you know, we don't see. So we see traditional businesses lag on digital, and then they mm-hmm. all jump in once their, their their top competitors jumps in. So it's it's yeah, I think this is this is a big issue, but there are major competitive implications. Yeah, uh, well put, well put. Well, here's my uh, actors studio slash James Lipton question for you, Dion. <laughs> um, so obviously you're you know one, one of the the folks in the driver's seat literally. What do you see coming up in in 2013? I mean what what's what's next? What's going to be big for uh, uh, for all things social? Well, I think um, organizations are going to start defragmenting their social efforts. I I do not believe in and I don't see it working where you have overly centralized social uh, social media, whether that's marketing or uh, or um, support or whatever. Uh, what we do see, though, is, this, uh, is that everyone was doing experiments for the last five, six years, finding out what works for them, what works for their business and their industry and their culture, and now they've kind of discovered what's working for them, right? Not everything, but they've made some good discoveries. But now that they've got kind of a uh, – they have all these people uh, and they have a lot of duplication, right? So they have duplicate community managers. Uh, they have duplicate sets of listening tools. Uh, they don't have consistent processes. Uh, I've, for some of the big brands that we've worked with, uh, we frequently see that um, uh, that someone will try to reach out to the company via social media, and without any kind of central coordination, different parts of the company will leap out and try and talk to them in an uncoordinated fashion. Right? We want to do that talking, but you know, we already know there's a huge scale problem with social. That you know, there's millions of our customers, and only a, you know a small number of us. So how how do we do this consistently? So the first thing uh, I see really is this kind of being more coherent, taking things up a level. You know, we've seen social media. Uh, enter their C-suite in a big way in the last year uh, as they realized, uh, as the company realized that it, kind of everything has to be social and do it more consistently, invest more um, yeah, more comprehensively, but in a way that's kind of coordinated. So that's one thing. And the other, the other I think, big one, you know, there's, there's a lot of smaller changes, but the other big one is this, the whole big data revolution and that 
before, we didn't have a way of really listing and understanding, um, you know, across the 400 social networks that have more than a million users that all have relevant conversations about our business, whether we believe it or not. Uh, invariably, whenever I, you know, hear a company skeptical about that, I can quickly show them conversations that are really important that they're not even aware of, much less part of. Um, and the um, so we see we're seeing that uh, we can now can now listen in multiple languages and in you know, all this unstructured great conversation and tap into it in a way we never could before. And I think that that uh, scaled engagement is the next big phase. So we've been we've been now listening for the last couple of years. Now the tools are available, but engagement uh, in uh, in a, uh, and actually talking back and make, and, and guiding our communities in the right direction for, for our business objectives is, is going to be the next. Uh, next big mechanization process. And, uh, the, and not to mention the, the massive mobile adoption, you know, universally all over the world, you know, where social now is, you know, I was, I was watching when Facebook launched their, their newest mobile application, which worked, you know, as compared to the last one. You know, their, I think their participation levels went up on mobile about 80%. Um, so now we're taking, you know, it's not that we go back to our, um, you know, back to our house, homes and sit down at our desktop. It's literally that we're socially engaged all day long, wherever we are, you know, whatever we're doing, um, we're, we're engaged now. Yeah, no, I think mobile devices have, have uh, freed up a lot of time in the margins where we thought we didn't have any more, you know, time to engage, but uh, that's proved not to be the case. That uh, mm-hmm. really tap into it. So, so when it comes to big data then, the organizations that really uh, are are getting it, it sounds to me as if they're, they're they're not becoming overwhelmed with the sheer massive quantity of the data, but they're actually figuring out what to do with very specific uh, uh, chunks of that data, if you will. Yeah, totally. Because yeah. uh, we've had social listening tools now for a while, and you can even just use search engines for a lot of it. Uh, but they always uh, generated far too much information, and now you know, with uh, every every month shows the growth in all the social networking you know, uh, adoption and usage statistics. Now you get back millions of bits of information, uh, you know, on on a weekly basis. How do you figure out what's important? Um, how do you figure out what's relevant to your brand? Which which of your precious time to spend, or your precious time for your advocates to spend, where should they best be spending that? That's something that you got to do on an hourly uh, basis. Uh, just like you know, customer support, you know, call centers have this continuous process of engaging with customers. And we're, you know, uh, the, uh, the CIO of Time Warner the other day was uh, telling me that um, you know, his biggest challenge is, uh, you know, he has hundreds of social media uh, representatives, and he doesn't think that's sustainable. And I pointed out to him that, well, you know, you already have you already have thousands in your customer care center, um, you know, and with your customer shifting channels. Uh, you know, it's going to look like that, except you can push a lot of the work off uh, to your community. So it's actually, I think there's some major opportunities in doing all of this. Yeah, I think these, you know, the, the advent of enterprise response, you know, systems is really coming around too, where it doesn't, you know, these systems are growing to a point where whether it comes in by phone, by Twitter, by whatever, you know, it, it's making records in the CRM and these companies are able to take care of them. Yeah, but if you're under 30, you're, you're not. You're probably not using that phone number. I mean, this is the part. Of, uh, yeah. The most exciting demographics, the most interesting audience, and the future of our audience, they're on these channels, and we're we're not. Uh, I think most companies are still not sufficiently investing on where the customers have already moved. 
Wow, that's great. Great. And that's and that brings me to my next question. You know, as you guys kind of span the 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 globe when it comes to Fortune one thousand companies, <clears throat> it seems to me, and this is just from a you know, outsider looking in, that adoption seems slower than than normal and, and you know, small business and medium sized businesses are adopting at a lot quicker rate than some of the Fortune one thousand companies. Are, are there some companies out there that you think are just doing an outstanding job in the Fortune 1000 that, you know, they're, they are moving at a rapid pace, investing, you know, a lot of money into the into the future of this and, and making headway with it? Uh, yeah, I think there are a few that stand out. I mean, um, a, a lot of them are consumer products companies, of course. I mean, Coca-Cola uh, is outstanding in terms of their, their breadth and the detail, and, you know, they're in 200 and some odd countries, uh, and they're in social in a large percentage of those in a, in a really deeply engaged, meaningful way. Uh, Disney is fantastic. Uh, they're probably, I mean, they're up there with Coca-Cola. I mean, we're, we're, I'm, I'm talking about, the, you know, these are all in the top five of large brands that are very effectively social and have invested heavily. Uh, you know, we're talking tens, and in Disney's case, I believe hundreds of millions of dollars over, uh, since, since they've started on, on social. And, Creating communities and really engaging uh, in a very deep way because they know that this is you know, this is how to get mind share with their customers, uh, and it is mind share is a zero sum game. So you got to be out there, um, you know, and, and just all the other uh, um, benefits we talked about. Um, I think Procter and Gamble has been good, but you know they're um, not consistently across the company, but they've been they've been very good. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think of some others, uh, we've got. Um, in our book, Social Business by Design, we've got 100 high-impact ROI case studies. And um, the, the fact of the matter is most companies are very social in areas and not consistently across their organizations. So those, those two, I think, are great examples. With, with, and then I'm curious, internal to those companies, you know, we, when we're working with companies and working with our IT teams, we, we see a split between companies sometimes that, their technology groups are either, uh, you know, a disabling, safe, you know, uh, you know, keep the keep the moats <laughs> alive and the alligators in, in in them, you know, and and really don't don't adopt these technologies because everything is just about safety and you don't want people crossing this line, you know, where they're where they're coming into the company and then we see other companies where. Their IT groups are really just incredibly enabling, and they're looking at. They understand that technology is moving faster and faster, and they can't, you know, honestly keep up with it. Uh, and they're, you know, they're totally working with customer service departments, marketing departments, sales departments to, you know, to adopt these software as a service and and other technologies a lot faster. Do you, do you see a mindset in in the Disney's and Coca Colas where their IT groups are genuinely just have have an incredible philosophy that's enabling them to do this? Yeah, well, I think there's some shared responsibility there. I, I do think that uh, technology folks in IT departments uh, their their careers aren't uh, aren't based on you know creating great customer experiences and, and fantastic human interaction. Uh, you know, their, their, their social um, architecture uh, is not their specialty, right? And so uh, it doesn't help with the fact that, that even though they have a relentless focus on business continuity and security first, right, and then innovation is like a distant third, 
um, that we're always kicking them uh, when our our email goes down or our, our websites aren't available internally or an app stops functioning. We just let them have it. We unleash holy hell, and then um, and so they're so focused and so so beat up about that that they end up focusing too much on that. And then we don't we want help on technology. We don't call them. Uh, but I do think that that the there are IT groups, uh, our social business council, we actually have a fairly heavy IT representation. Uh, we, we do see there are some folks, and they're usually a minority, or a vocal minority that really see this potential and are willing to help lead the organization. But I'll tell you, some of the highest impact examples tend to come from the business side, are driven by the business side, supported by IT in many cases, but sometimes the organization goes outside of IT. We see that trend significantly, too, where they'll go to the service bureaus that understand this, and, and get the help that they need, and then ask IT to clean up the mess afterwards. So we, we definitely see that there's uh, there, there's a still there's still a great tension between the IT department and the marketing department, IT and customer care. Um, but the writing's on the wall, and CIOs I speak with, and I speak to quite a few every year, realize that, that they've got to get rid of that, or you know the organization's going to rattle around them. <clears throat> Dion, do you think uh, the, the work that you know some of the enterprise players out there? Are doing is um, is going to help with that with with that type of a scenario. Um, specifically, when I think about uh, the great work that SAP has done in the last few months with um, with SAP Jam, um, you know they're really focusing, in my opinion, on some uh, you know some very mission critical areas. And it seems to me as if that type of effort is going to help a lot of those companies sort of move past that. Um, that tension, if you will. Yeah. Uh, the, well, what's interesting is that social media wasn't created by the business world. I mean, if there's a big tension there, it's a big elephant in the room, uh, is that this is not designed for us uh, by the world. I mean, the world wanted better communication methods, right? And and social just was one of the many experiments. and ended up working really, really well. And then you saw these explosive growths of all of these, of Facebook and, and Twitter and all of these public social networks. Uh, without any consideration for the business side, right? Um, and it was, it was for us uh, as individuals. And then that, businesses want to apply that same sort of, you know, hey, this is great. We can share information and then collaborate and find each other far more easily than we could before. Um, and so only now, with it, like SAP Jam, you know, uh, the guy behind that, uh, Samir Patel, is a good friend of mine, um, you know, is really kind of adding that business context that's missing from social. Because you can't just transplant these consumer tools directly into our organizations. Uh, we've tried, right? And it doesn't work that well. There's, there's uh, the features and capabilities that we really need as organizations are missing. And things like SAP Jam, um, I think is a great example. Uh, I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, is helping close that gap by saying, hey, no, no, we need to adapt this. Without killing what makes it special, we need to adapt this to our organization. Right. I think I think a big a big part of what I, I'm I think they'll be doing is, is also, to your point, not just focusing on um, the technology, but also, you know, um, helping their customers really, really move through the adoption phase. And, and you know, a lot of that is, you know, focused on the business user, uh, helping them navigate, um, you know, the pitfalls of how do you get people to use it, how do you how do you squeeze the most value out of it. And, and also, I think a, a big comp- component for SAP um, is uh, is also to help them learn from their customers how to continually evolve this new uh, this new solution set. Yeah, no, the um, 
Yeah, one of the I think the, the signature lessons uh, uh, we've had come out of the Social Business Council, but kind of the whole social business industry, if you will. And when I mean social business here, I mean applying social media to business. That's kind of the, the phrase that, that that we're using more and more now. Uh, is that you can't do all of your your communication and collaboration over in one area and then record the work somewhere else. So we have our transaction systems and our content management systems and our sales records and all of these things uh, over in one area, and then way off to the side, we have uh, all of the context about how that happened, right? All the people we talked to and the conversations we had, and we had no idea how all that stuff ended up that way, right? So uh, we were keeping all of our important business information separated from each other artificially, right? When we when they really should be brought together, and things like SAP Jam. Um, I'm also a, a board member of the Open Social Foundation, uh, which is an open standard for saying, no, we've got to be able to integrate our business systems into our activity streams, right? A business process is a conversation. And occasionally it throws off really important data we want to record, and that's our transaction systems. Um, and you know, the natural way that we work is, is, to have, is to talk to people, talk to our coworkers, collaborate, and all that information, that narrative, and all the records should be in context together. And, and, and it were, we see this in the consumer world, but it's only now happening in the, in the business world. Awesome. Well, well, let's take a short break. When we get back, Dion, I uh, want to hear about more about, you know, obviously where people can get a hold of you. Uh, we're posting these links out for anybody who's listening. Uh, just look for the hashtag uh, MTRadio, uh, as in marketing tech radio. Um, and we'll be right back with Dion. Outside the box, pushing the envelope, back to the drawing board. Thinking in new ways means doing in new ways, and it's hard to work creatively when you rely on old tools. Whiteboards, sticky notes, and endless email threads only get you so far, and don't work if your team is scattered across the globe. At MindJet, we offer the tools for more vibrant and productive brainstorming. MindJet puts your ideas into a visual framework in terms people can understand and shares it with anyone, anywhere, anytime. Work fast, work smart. Go to MindJet.com to learn more. Marketing tech blog listeners meet Right On Interactive. Right On Interactive is a marketing automation company that helps organizations win, keep, and grow business. They do this through a lifecycle marketing solution that builds engagement throughout the life cycle of every prospect and customer. Recognized as a top-ranking marketing automation solution with a hands-on implementation strategy, Write-On Interactive provides an engagement blueprint for sales and marketing teams so they see where to invest their resources to drive revenue. Engagement drives relationships, and relationships drive revenue. This is why nurturing relationships is key. Lifecycle marketing from Right On Interactive. It's the next evolution of marketing automation. To learn more, visit writeoninteractive.com. Email info at writeoninteractive.com. We're back with Dion Hinchcliffe. Dion, I, I just want to thank you for taking the time today. This has been a, a fascinating conversation. Do you have any more? Do you have any more questions? Uh, I don't, but I just just had a quick chance to read your latest post on ZDNet, uh, Dion, the uh, leading indicators of social business maturity in 2012. Uh, great information there, and thank you for not posting that as an infographic, by the way. <laughs> 
<laughs> we can we can convert that for them. <laughs> yes, we can. Um, and and some of the places that Dion had mentioned, opensocial.org uh, and uh, council.dotchesgroup.com, C-O-U-N-C-I-L, uh, for the Social Business Council. You can um, and you can follow them as well on Twitter. They are S O C B I Z C, uh, and then they're on Facebook as well, the Twenty Adoption Council. Um, and and it looks like LinkedIn as well. You've got a LinkedIn group uh, for the Social Business Council as well. Um, and then of course D Hinchcliffe uh, is your Twitter handle. Um, SocialBusinessByDesign.com is information on the book. Uh, and are you speaking anywhere soon, uh, Dion? Where we can where uh, folks can listen to you? Uh, yes, I've got uh, a talk coming up uh, January. Uh... 6th through the 8th, they haven't told me the exact date yet, at uh, Business Next Social. Uh, they're going to have everyone from Robert Scoble to uh, Guy Kawasaki uh, speaking there. I'm going to be doing a section on engagement at scale. Uh, also be talking uh, at CBIT uh, a number of times uh, in, the, uh, in the spring um, and I think some of my other ones. Anyway, my speaking schedule is just quite online. Uh, but a great summary of the, of the URLs uh, for uh, all of our various uh, social endpoints. I appreciate that. Uh, also, uh, Take a look at Social Business Index. Uh, that's our service, that, uh, free service that uh, ranks all of the, the companies in the world, or at least the top 30,000 brands, uh, in real time. Uh, every 15 minutes, we update your score, uh, and we look at your customers, your workers, uh, and uh, your, uh, your suppliers. Uh, and we rank your, how effectively social you are uh, in real time. So I encourage you to uh, sign up and look at your score. Oh, very cool. Okay, we're looking up ours right as we speak. <laughs> Well, Dion, thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate you uh, joining us. Great conversation. Um, we have an open door here. Anytime you're in, in the area, uh, uh, let us know. I'd uh, be happy to buy you a cup of coffee. Oh, fantastic. I appreciate it. And thanks so much for having me on. I, I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, and will this be recorded? Will I be able to tweet this out later? Absolutely. We will have a recording. We can send you the MP3 if you'd like. Um, you, you'll be able to catch it back on the announcement on our blog. We'll put a post up there as well. And then people can, of course, go to Blog Talk Radio uh, slash Marketing Tech and, and listen to it there as well. Um, but we'll, we'll get this all out to you, Dion. Um, fantastic conversation. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Take care. Have a great Bye. weekend. Bye-bye. Connect with us anytime at marketingtechblog.com. And from there, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Tech Blog.